Well, welcome on into the Continuing the Conversation podcast. It's been a while since we've used this platform, quite honestly. We've been discussing it. We've been talking about how we utilize this platform to the best of our ability. And it's taken a lot of convincing from, not from my end, but from other people's end of saying, Chris, you need to use this platform. And so we thought that maybe over the next semester, we'll test it out even more and kind of see how this works. Nevertheless, this week, we unfortunately are unable to meet for our second gathering, what would have been our second gathering for the harbor due to uh, hurricane, is it da- Adalia? I think that's how you say it, Adalia, kind of getting ready to be here in the next few hours. And so I thought it'd be kind of pertinent to us just to have a moment to record something and that way we can continue on discussing what it looks like to belong to Jesus, understanding that you belong to him. And last week we discussed that in our gathering together. If you missed it, just kind of want to talk about it really, really quickly, just kind of give you a recap. We discussed the reality that Jesus knows your name and that he doesn't just know your name. He knows you. He knows the deepest parts of your life. In fact, we looked at the psalmist discuss how God knows him before a word was ever uttered. God knew what was going to be that. And so we talked about what that looks like in that, what makes you tick. He knows what makes you happy. He knows what makes you hurt. And so in that kind of vein, we want to continue to discuss the reality of how you belong to God. And so on this episode, I wanted to bring up what it looks like to be called friend by Jesus. I think sometimes if you aren't careful, you can forget that Jesus is not only the Messiah, right? Yes, he has saved you from your sins. He, he isn't some just distant God who wants this like, one-sided relationship, one-sided friendship. I think sometimes we get to that point where we think that, well, God is not present. I'm doing all of the work here and he's just sitting back doing nothing and reaping all the benefits. And that may be true for your relationship, which we can talk about, but you need to know that Jesus is close. He's close to you. Just as we saw last week, he knows you. He knows your name. He knows what hurts. He knows what makes you happy. And you need to know that Jesus brings forth a friendship rooted and founded in love and joy and sacrifice for you. And so, yes, he is savior. He is king. He is Lord, but he is also friend. He calls you his disciples, friends. And if we are disciples of Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus, in effect, then we too are friends. Now there's a massive difference. And you know this massive difference between somebody who is an acquaintance and somebody who is a friend. We know friends are always there for you. An acquaintance is an individual who maybe isn't in the depths of your life. And you're not really in their depths of their lives. We, we know, you know that a friend is someone who knows your heartache, who knows what you've gone through, what you're continuing to go through, the, 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 the hurts maybe you're experiencing, the habits that you're experiencing, and yet still loves you. An acquaintance, that's just someone who, who sees what they want to see, 
Or maybe for you, you have an acquaintance. You just want to show them what you want them to see. Here's the deal real quick. I just got to like side step this for a second. Some of you may feel like Jesus is treating you like an acquaintance. You feel like you you move and you do things for Jesus. You're sitting at his feet. You're, you're reading his word. You're praying. You're doing all of these things. And when you need him to show up and show off, he doesn't. And so you just feel like one of your biggest, deepest struggles right now is that you feel like, man, Jesus, I feel like I'm just an acquaintance to Jesus. So Chris, how can you sit here and talk about that? That Jesus is a friend, that he wants my friendship, that he desires to be a friend, not just a savior or Messiah, but a friend to know my deepest hurts, my deepest habits, my deepest struggles, my deepest joys. And yet at times I feel like he's so distant that he's more of an acquaintance to me. Not because I don't want that friendship, but because I feel like maybe he just wants me to be an acquaintance. Can I just tell you, first of all, sometimes we maybe feel that way because we shoot ourselves in the foot. <laughs> we, 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 we kind of put ourselves in a position where we treat Jesus like, well, you know, he's like a genie that I just rubbed the lamp and he grants me three wishes. And maybe that's how you're viewing it. And so maybe that's why you feel like Jesus is just an acquaintance to you. That, that may sound really harsh. And I, I'm, just, I'm just getting into this. But you cannot expect Jesus to treat you like a friend if you in turn treat him like a vending machine. Like we've all been there with those friends, right? You have been there with those friends who you feel like are always taking advantage of you, regardless of the amount of conversations you may have had with them. Of that, hey, listen, I just feel like this is one-sided. I feel like I'm always doing things for you and you're not doing things for me. Maybe the reason why you feel like Jesus is treating you like an acquaintance is because maybe you are wanting something out of Jesus that was never really the intent of the relationship to begin with. Again, I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds really difficult to hear. And I know that's probably not how you expected this beginning talk to go, the, the beginning of this talk to go. But listen, I just think that we need to set up an expectation before we get into the the, the, the meat of what we're talking about of, of understanding, hey, being a friend of Jesus is not a one-side equation. It's not about what I can get out of him. It's about how can I be more like him? that the proximity I have with him helps me to become more like him. And so I just want us to, to recognize that real quick and to understand that, hey, you may be in a position right now where you feel like, well, I just, I feel like, you know, things aren't happening the way they should be happening. I, I feel like maybe I'm asking things of Jesus and he's not coming through. He's not answering my prayers. Uh, maybe some of that is because you're treating Jesus more like an acquaintance than your friend. And so I just, again, I had to like just really dive into that really, really quickly because you can't expect Jesus to be sacrificial on his life and not expect you to be sacrificial with your life. So with that, we're going to discuss what does it mean to allow Jesus to be our friend and why do you and I need to rest in the reality that you belong as a friend of Jesus? We're going to look at a portion of scripture in this episode in John chapter 15, starting at verse nine. John is one of the gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
is, uh, are the gospels. They're kind of, we call them the biographies of Jesus. I don't know if that's really an accurate way of describing that. Um, but it kind of just gives a snapshot of Jesus's life. Now, all four of these authors capture different aspects of Jesus, of Jesus's life, of Jesus's death, of his burial and a subsequent resurrection. And so John, John's writing is typically from a perspective of love. Now we could look at love as, oh, wow, like Disney world type of, you know, love, Cinderella, that type of thing, the sentimental type of stuff. But I think what John's purpose of writing this message is that Jesus's love is sacrificial. Yes, there is sentimentality. That's a thousand dollar word right there. Sentimentality when it comes to Jesus. Jesus does love us in a sentimental way, but the re, the real rooted fundamental aspect of his love is sacrificial. And John wants to communicate that through his gospel. Mark is going to communicate a different gospel, right? He's going to communicate the reality that he is the son of man, that he can do healings, that he has authority over both the cosmos, which is the world, as well as humanity in regards to healings, right? We see a lot of miracles happen in Mark. Luke is more of a physician mindset, historian type of way. He's going to dive a little bit deeper into some of those intricacies. And Matthew is going to take a perspective that is different as well, more of a servitude type of thing. So for John, John is love. John's letters, uh, again, in the New Testament, he has three, three letters later on in the New Testament that talk about love. And so he, this is his perspective with this. And so we're finding this moment where we're going to pick it up in a second. We're finding this moment where Jesus is celebrating the Passover meal. What is Passover? It is a traditional meal celebrated by the Jews, commemorating the night where the spirit of God in Egypt passed over the households who took the blood of the lamb and spread it on the threshold of their household. Like you can see this, you can read this in the book of Exodus. This actually happens. And so it was a sign that the Jews, uh, that they worshiped, God, the most high, not Pharaoh. And so the spirit of God went through the, the Egypt or in that little section where the Jews were uh, uh, slaves to uh, Pharaoh. And when the spirit went to the house houses where the blood of the lamb was on the threshold, it, it evaded those houses and went to those that didn't and subsequently killed the firstborn in that. And so what, what, what John is going to capture here is, is that re, the celebration of the Passover meal, right? So as that night is going on, they're eating dinner, they're eating a meal. And just like you would with any meal, um, they're around the table, they're eating, they're celebrating, they're talking, they're discussing about all sorts of things. I'm not sure uh, outside of what John has captured, if they're talking about other things, uh, but they're, they're, they're having conversation and Jesus is teaching them all sorts of things uh, about what is to come. See, Jesus knows what's about to happen in the next few chapters. See, we can kind of like read on, but Jesus knows what's about to happen in his upcoming uh, trial, upcoming death, burial, and resurrection. And so what he is doing at this moment is he's realizing, hey, this is about to come up. I have a lot still to teach these disciples. And so he begins teaching them in John chapter 15. Now, before this section, uh, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to manage the relationships between him being Jesus and the other disciples that are in the room as well as the world. And so he's coming off of this illustration uh, or analogy with the disciples uh, talking about the, uh, the vine and the branches. 
Uh, and he uses this in, and we see this in, in 15 verses one through eight. And the point here is that he wanted the disciples to know that when you are attached to God, there, there is fruitfulness that comes from being attached to God, attached to the vine, right? Just like a grape would be the product of being attached to the vine, you too will become fruitful when you attach yourself to God. And so Jesus is teaching this to the disciples. So uh, Jesus knew that the disciples were going to react a certain way when Jesus died, when he was buried. And so he wanted to remind them, hey, we got to stay connected here, stay connected to God. And now he's going to move into this thing where he wants to share some insight and wisdom and really a command with them about what is to come. So here's here where we're going to pick it up. John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. And this is through 17. This is as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remember, they're sitting around the table. He's teaching them and he gives them this command. So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command love each other. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray that we would see your presence permeating through it, that we would see what you have to say to us as we read it. And how can we apply this in our lives? In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as a young kid, I was raised on uh, Pixar. Pixar was kind of like the new thing that was coming out with Disney. Uh, and in fact, one of the first movies Pixar came out with was Toy Story. And I know there's like Toy Story Land now at Disney and you can ride like Slinky the dog and like all this different stuff. But before that was around, it was just the movie. And the, the movie is an incredible movie. I, I love the, 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 the amount of actors that are in it. That, that I mean, it's just star studded really. And it was really one of those movies that as a kid, if you really think about the synopsis of the movie, if you really think about the plot of the movie, it's a really sweet movie. It's a, it's a really, the story is a great story, but there's just like any movie, what really makes or breaks the movie. And if you don't believe me, go on Instagram and find uh, this uh, because there's memes of it. But I think what makes or breaks the movie is the soundtrack, right? Like you could change out the soundtrack in a horror movie and it's completely different, right? Like it's not as scary, right? In, in fact, if you, you, were, you were to watch a horror flick or horror movie, you probably know something's about to happen when the music starts to get really, really like at, at its pinnacle, right? Like it's high, you can, it's tense, right? And so uh, the soundtrack for Toy Story I, it, is awesome. Randy Newman, who is uh, a lot of the composer for the soundtrack, comes out and he has the main track of, this, of the, the movie is You Got a Friend in Me. 
And it's a, it's a really catchy, catchy song to the point where like, if you don't even realize you, you start singing it or humming it or whistling it. And it's just a really, really catchy song. And so the song though is, is a great reminder, right? Of what the movie's about, which is friendship. It's about an unlikely in, individual or toy who comes into this room, who knows no one, who has no idea who anybody is right there. He thinks he's from a different planet and he learns what it looks like to have friends, to be connected into a community, which is by the way, just side note are, that's what we desire, right? We, we desire for you to be in community here. We desire to, to legitimately say, Hey, you got a friend in me. And so this is the story of Toy Story. They go through all sorts of stuff, right? Like any other movie, there's, you know, the height of it. There's the, the, the climax and then the resolution, right? And, and at the end, end of the movie, you realize and Buzz and Woody, they're friends, right? They had to go through all of these things uh, to be friends. And so it got me to thinking about like how we, we go through life, regardless of movies, right? We ourselves are in the movie of our life. When it comes to friends, how we make friends, how we connect with people. And it, again, how we understand what it means to be a friend of Jesus. Sometimes we walk into a moment with Jesus. We're like, this is really awkward. I don't know who you are. I'm learning more about who you are, but this is really weird and really awkward. And yet Jesus speaks these words. You got a friend and me. And that's what it looks like for us. That's what it allows us to see. We, we get to see that Jesus is a friend. Again, I don't want to take away anything from uh, Jesus's savior ways or messiahship. Yes, he is Lord. He is King. But there is something about this idea that he is a friend. And so with these verses in John chapter 15, Jesus is saying, hey, here's the deal. You are a friend. You are a friend to me. So there's a couple things I think we can learn from these verses in John chapter 15 that I want us to end our time with continuing to navigate what it means to be a friend of Jesus. So a couple things, uh, you can write these down or you can go back and listen to it. The first thing is this, is friendship with Jesus is rooted in sacrifice. Friendship with Jesus is rooted in sacrifice. I love what he says in John chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friend if you do what I command. There's sacrifice in this sentence. There's a type of love that's required in friendship. We all know that, right? We all can recognize that in order to be a friend, the difference between friend and and, and acquaintance is that there's a certain type of love that's required of us. Now, in today's society, we probably have two or three best definitions or what we would probably be our definitions of love with that, right? We, we, we have a few, whether we want to verbalize it or not, but here's just three that I think we kind of do. And maybe you can add to the conversation and have more. Maybe we have more, but the, here, the three big ones that I think we as a culture kind of lean into in our idea of love is, is first that we have the sexual type of love right? This is, I, I, I made love, right? That, that type of type of thing. Like you hear that phrase a lot. Like I made love to, you know, uh, the second thing is like, we have the definitive love, man. I love that. 
right? You get excited about something or you know, about like a, a, an object or, you know, some food. You're like, oh, I, I love that food. Like I love barbecue, right? And then the, the third one that I think is our biggest one is sentimental. Like, oh man, I love you, man. You know, that type of love that's like, uh, you know, friendship type of love. Like, man, like, oh man, like you just want to, you know, I used to have this pastor who, I love him to death, like legitimately like a brother. And uh, I remember every time that I would see him, he was like, oh man, I love you. And he started hitting me, like like just hitting me just because he couldn't contain his excitement. And so that's where we talk about like with that sentimental kind of love. And maybe maybe you could take that definition of sentimental love and, and go a, a deeper direction or a different direction. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. You kind of get the gist of, of what I'm talking about. Well, in Jesus's day, there are several forms of the definition of love as well. There's four specifically. There's ergos, uh, which is the passionate love, like a sexual in nature. Phileo, which is that brotherly love. This is where we get the, the Philadelphia, right? It's called the city of brotherly love. Philo, philo. Storge, which is that familial love, right? They talk about that. I love you, man, type of sentimental love. Like it's there. And then, of course, the agape love, which is unconditional or sacrificial. In fact, we see um, later on in the book of John, an exchange between Peter and Jesus. Um, Post Jesus's resurrection, he ends up eating breakfast with Peter and he toggles in between these two types of loves in the conversation, right? The phileo love, um, uh, Peter does, not not, not, uh, Peter and Jesus do, phileo love and agape love. But what does it really mean to have a sacrificial love for Jesus. What does it mean to have a sacrificial love? And so actually uh, the apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12. He's speaking to the brothers and sisters in the Roman church at the time. And this is what he says, brothers and sisters, God has shown you his mercy. So I am asking you to offer up your bodies to him while you are still alive. Your bodies are a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And when you offer your bodies to God, you are worshiping him in the right way. Don't live the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. And when you agree that what he wants is right, his plan is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul encourages the followers of Jesus in Rome to offer up a sacrifice. What is that sacrifice? It is you. It's your body. That is worship. And not just your body from a sexual nature, your whole body. What does it look like to sacrifice? To, and, and Paul goes on to, tr- to talk about being a, in, in, to train your body as an athlete would train him. But yet, in order to be a sacrifice, you have to live in a way that others don't live. You have to live the way the world, you have to live in a way that, not, that doesn't reflect the world. What does he say? He said, don't live the way the world lives. He says, he goes on, he says, let your way of thinking be completely changed. And so if we're going to really change the way we think, if we're going to change the way we live, that takes a sacrifice on our part. It takes a sacrifice on our part to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to live a certain type of way. I'm not going to do a certain type of thing. Not because I'm judgmental to our non-believers or non-followers, not because of anything like that, but because... I desire a friendship with Jesus and I know Jesus desires that friendship with me. And in, in that, I understand that friendship 
there's sacrificial love when it comes to friendship. I understand that there's a difference between being a friend and being an acquaintance. And that means you're, you're willing to do anything and everything you possibly can for that friend. And so if the whole goal was to say, hey, listen, I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to be more like the things of you. If I want to follow your commands, I have to start sacrificing the things that I desire, I want, I need in order to live more like you because that's the goal of the friendship. That's the goal of being more like Jesus is to say, I'm going to sacrifice the things of me and put on the things of you. Friendship with Jesus is rooted in sacrifice. It's not just rooted in sacrifice. Here's some good news that friendship with Jesus comes with benefits from Jesus. Look what he says. He's like, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Have you ever been in like a benefit program? Maybe you're too young for this. I don't know, college kids, what you're part of like benefit wise. Like uh, we just joined Costco uh, as a family, which by the way, like you're going to get to a place. I don't know when this happens, but you're going to get to a place in life where all of a sudden you move into this adulthood space where things like Costco memberships and you walk into things like Home Depot and you go, man, toy stores, not a big deal anymore. Home Depot is the place where to go. Yeah. I, I don't know what happens here, but some, somehow, some way, nevertheless, I digress. But I used to be in college. Um, I used to be a Starbucks member, right? They had like memberships then. I don't know if they still do this or not. I, um, I really don't follow. I just drink coffee. I don't, I don't really do the, the membership stuff anymore with them, but, um, I remember uh, in college, I would meet with our Bible study guys on Sunday nights there. And um, you used to get this like physical card. And when you signed up to be a member, you get like a physical card that you show. I know everything's through the app now um, where you could just scan it. I, I, f- I feel like they completely went away from this and it, it ruined why I maybe, maybe I'm not a member anymore, but, um, they used to give you this card, right? And so you used to swipe the card and it would count your stars. You know, if you got uh, food, you know, certain things, they still do all this stuff. Right. But I remember, uh, after being, uh, just your typical regular quote, regular member, right? With your regular card after a certain number of points, they send you a gold card. Legitimately, it was a gold card. And it said Starbucks member on it, gold star member. And it had my name and everything etched into the gold. I mean, it was really, really cool. I, again, I don't know why they got rid of this because some like me, like I geek out of that stuff, um, but it was gold. I was like, this is amazing. And I, I was like, hey, what are the, some of the benefits that come along with it? Like, well, yeah, you know, you get double points, you get double stars, you get a free dessert every, so often or a free bagel or, you know, free coffee or whatever. There was benefits to my membership. Because I had I, I'd gotten the stars and I'd, I'd been in proximity to their business and I was, you know, doing stuff for that business and and, and just kind of racking up points and there was there was benefits to being a part of the membership. But I, I do think I need to stop for a second though and clarify because I, I have to be careful because I'm correlating the reality of benefits of my membership in Starbucks. Um, and obviously that becomes with behavior. It comes, you know, those kind of things, but I, I have to tread carefully here because I don't want you to think that 
this is a prosperity message. I don't want you to think that um, because you believe in Jesus, because you're being obedient, that the benefits are financial or health-wise or any other prosperity thing that you maybe have been taught. Um, And that even goes for the life of your dreams. I think in today's world, we're being taught from the pulpit, not necessarily a prosperity message of finance and health, even though that still is in existence. There is a prosperity message being preached now that is about manifesting the destiny of your life. And so I want to be careful here because to me, the gospel isn't about those types of prosperity. The gospel is about the sacrificial love of Jesus. That's the whole story. And in turn, our lives should be a reflection of that. And so the benefits we receive are the understanding of God's presence through his Holy Spirit. We have access to God. The benefits that we have in Jesus as friends of Jesus is that we have access to God the Father, right? He says this, if for everything I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. And so now we have access to who he is through his Holy Spirit. And so as a friend of Jesus, we get to know God as the Father. We get to know his perspectives. We get to know his insights. We get to know his peace. We get to know his wisdom that only he can provide. The culture cannot provide us those things. I don't know the last time, if you've looked at the news, how much peace can actually come from watching or listening to the news. But there's a perspective that we get as friends of Jesus. And those are the benefits of being friends of of Jesus. Those are the benefits we get. We get the perspective of who he is. We get the understanding. We get the wisdom. And so abiding, abiding in Jesus, yes, obeying his commands, it comes with benefits from God. But that's going to take sacrifice, as I talked about in the previous point. Like our our friendship with Jesus is rooted in sacrifice. And that friendship with Jesus comes with benefits from Jesus. And finally, friendship requires fruitfulness. So yeah, our friendship is rooted in sacrifice. Our friendship with Jesus comes with benefits from Jesus, but ultimately friendship requires fruitfulness. Listen to what he says here at the end of John chapter 15 of these, of these verses in, in, in 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you may ask in my name, the Father will give you. Again, like this giving you is not prosperity of wealth or health. And that may come about. But again, the, 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 the prosperity is the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of his presence and beauty of who he is. See, if Jesus is calling us friends, it requires that we must be fruitful. Jesus gave his disciples a mission. Matthew chapter 28 talks about the great commission, which is go out and to make what? Disciples of the nation. And so this mission comes from understanding that when we move from being an acquaintance of Jesus, it comes with an assignment. 
It comes with an understanding that there are others Jesus wants to call into friendship, into faith, into a life with him. And so some of us need to begin to move from just being an acquaintance of Jesus to being a friend of Jesus. Because right now, we're in a moment where we're an acquaintance with Jesus and we're expecting a lot from him. And in turn, he expects a lot from us. It's sacrificial. And some of us listening to this need to start turning from being an acquaintance of Jesus to knowing his friendship, knowing who he is. Turning to him, it no doubt shows us his deepest hurts. It shows us his deepest desires, his deepest longings for our lives. And when we start to move from acquaintance to friendship and we start to live in sacrificial love for him and we start to uh, live out the benefits of wisdom and insight and knowledge of how he wants to use us in this world, we start to experience and produce fruit from him that's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and the most important one, love. Love that is sacrificial and unconditional. The last statement Jesus leaves his disciples, his friends. And if we are going to be considered his friends, the, the last command he gives us as well is to what? Love each other. We can only love each other if we move into a friendship, we move into self-control, into gentleness, into faithfulness, into goodness, into kindness, into patience, peace, and joy. Friendship requires fruitfulness. Friendship with Jesus comes with benefits from Jesus because ultimately friendship is rooted in sacrifice. Well, hey, again, thanks for leaning in with us on this episode of the continuing the conversation with the harbor. Again, my name is Pastor Chris, and I hope with this episode you were challenged. I know I was challenged writing this uh, message, challenged to lean more into being a friend of Jesus, challenged more to let the things of myself go and to be a friend of Jesus. And so I hope that this was a talk that um, really challenged you in that way, that maybe you as well are, are saying to yourself, hey, yeah, I am living a life of being more of an acquaintance with Jesus and I need to lean into being more of a friend of Jesus. I need to trust him more. I need to give him more of my life. I need to give him my whole life, um, every aspect of my life. And so I hope that was a, a challenge for you on this episode. Again, we are just kind of having conversation about what this platform looks like for us. Um, it may be that we come back and do a once a month episode, uh, maybe giving a synopsis of all of our messages that we've had for that month. So that way, if you missed a week, you can kind of catch up and have one big, uh, long form, uh, talk. Uh, I hope that again, this was beneficial for you. Keep a lookout on our next episodes when they're going to drop. And as always, I love you all praying for you always. I'm out. <laughs>